Hi, this podcast is brought to you by Practicus. Practicus is a recruitment, consulting and advisory business specialising in change and transformation. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the Data Files Data Bunker, our next podcast, again, is on data leadership. Today we have myself, Tony Casson-Scott, and me, Barry. Hello. And me, Steve Green. Thank you for coming, Steve. So Steve has a, uh, a very interesting and broad background in both IT and data. And recently, I believe, Steve, you were the head of data at FCA. Yep, I was there uh, for running that data function across all disciplines for about four years. Wow. Thanks for coming here, honestly. We do appreciate it. And I think having someone who's been on the regulatory side and the commercial side is pretty rare. And then to get someone who's done that with IT and data is even rarer. So I do appreciate you coming down to the bunker. The question we like to start off with is, what do you think makes a great data leader? I think it's a combination of skills. You're always going to say that, aren't you? You need to be able to understand the business enough to understand how you can get value from the data. I think classically data leaders were seen as being predominantly focused on data governance and data quality. And whilst that's clearly important, and particularly from a regulator perspective, I would say that historically, actually, the excitement you want to generate in your business to really change the way the business sees data requires the data leader to be able to sit in front of business strategists, the executive board, and talk to them about actually as part of your strategy, this is how data can help you, not be at the end of the process just talking about how you might write a new dashboard or write a new analytics project. And so that combination of business skills, clearly understanding both the technology and the techniques that are available as well, you know, so you can have that end-to-end conversation, but the empathy around understanding the business problems, how do you solve them, focusing on outcomes, and then clearly you need to build a good team. You know, data is a critical resource at the moment. You know, in London, there's tens of thousands of roles you, you hear about. And the idea is actually you've got to retain your staff. So you've got to be careful that you don't just hire the best people leave them alone and then they get bored and then leave so that combination of business understanding being able to deliver business value understanding the technology and the techniques that support actually the delivery in your function but then also being able to care enough about the team so that you can keep them with you because whilst it's an exciting space to work that also means it's exciting to work elsewhere and so there's lots of opportunity there to really make sure you can hone your team into a good unit who feel valuable because you're exposing them to business strategy they can see line of sight to how they're delivering stuff better But that requires a leader who can do a little bit of everything. I think clearly you can be a good data leader if you're focused in the data science space or focused in the analytics space or even focused in the technology space. But you need to bring that with you something wider than that, that ability to influence the business and deal with the business needs. There's a lot of stuff there. Sorry. So (laughs) a lot of good stuff. Um, I'm just picking my way through. Where shall I start? You intimated a deep knowledge of data you know in some in some way that seems to me like tickets for the game i'm leading the witness a bit but do you believe it's possible to be a cdo or equivalent without ever had got your hands dirty i declare my interest so you know so i am somebody who historically used to code in vb and basic stuff like that so i'm i'm somebody who is reasonably technical i would argue but i'm a history graduate i'm not a stem graduate and actually I do use this as a bit of an anecdote to some of the teams when we're looking at who we want to hire and not exposing ourselves just to STEM graduates, although they're clearly they're the core of the team, is that history for me at university was reading thousands of pages of documents and concisely producing them into six-page reports. So from a middle management and senior management perspective, actually the skills history taught me around digesting data, information, just not numbers and binaries and stuff like that, actually has helped me in the mindset from an analytics perspective. 
Now, clearly, I'm not going to go do some data science projects, although I understand the techniques, I understand the projects and the value they can give you. I've spent 25 years in around IT and data. So whilst my background is not STEM, clearly I've picked lots of stuff up. So I think it's a balance. I don't think you need to be the hardest data scientist or the best data scientist to run a CDO function. I think you need to clearly understand the possibilities and the opportunities, and you need to understand what interests your staff as well. So you need to understand the techniques and the technologies and you know, where, the, where the cool stuff is. But you need to be able to do that in a window of not just being the technologist in the room. You are not the techie person in the room. That's your team. You're the person who understands the techie stuff and the data stuff and can influence the business to using it more effectively. You mentioned a lot about leading a team and recruiting the right team. But beyond that, I would argue a data leader also has to get buy-in. Absolutely. And, and that's that engagement with the strategist in your organization. So particularly, you know, the experience both at the FCA and in my current role at, at Sumitomo Mitsui, you've got to spend a lot of time pressing the flesh and talking to people and not just talking to them after they've made some decisions. You've got to talk about clearly there's a minimum viable thing you need around data governance and, and everybody knows that. You know, almost every organization in the country will say, yes, I have to invest in data because legally I'm obliged to do so. But if you want to really excite them and to get you involved in all of those big conversations that you really should be involved in, I think, you have to get to know people. You have to build their trust. You have to talk to them in a way that is not about natural language processing or AI or this algorithm or this model or the, even things like data ethics. You want to talk to them about, so what's your business problem? I think I've got some ideas on how to do that. Deploying quick value kind of solutions at the strategic level, you know, dealing with senior directors and executive members who can then go, actually, this is quite cool. We should care about it. And so that to me is not that dissimilar to how IT evolved about 20 years ago. I mean, IT 20 years ago was build it and they will come and not a lot of people came except where they had to. And so in a world where data is that, where IT has moved into being top table type conversations where you need to care strategically in your business around IT, Businesses say they do that with data at the moment, but a lot of businesses still only care about it from a compliance and risk perspective. It's when, they, it's when your CDO or your head of data or whatever it might be can go into the business and go, I can fix your problems, not just fix your compliance risk. That's really where the conversation needs to be. And at that point, you do influence the leaders because you're talking their language, you're talking their value. You're not just talking about, we need 12 data scientists and I need to lock them in a basement and do cool stuff because that doesn't resonate. You need to be able to talk to them about you need to increase revenue, you need to spot opportunities in the market better, you need to manage your risk better. Those are the conversations people want to have. And, the, and all the CXOs care about that. So over time, have you seen a change in the, in the board mentality? So you, you spoke about exciting the sponsors, the board, etc., to get on board with the board. Yeah. Are you seeing it the other way where there's, that's a push? Are you seeing a pull now where people get it more than they did before and then they're asking you for things knowing what's possible and what isn't i think there's a bit of that i think there's still a large gap between you've either got people who you say i need to care i know i need to care because of risk and compliance so you know that's that's the easy stuff you've also got people who think you can solve everything so they think actually throwing those 12 data scientists into a room will get you really cool outcomes without the business analysts without understanding the business without working with the management teams in line a successful delivery, again, I, I go back to my experience in IT. 20 years ago, IT thought hiring all the best developers and techies would give you a great delivery project. Loads of those projects overran, cost 10 times the amount of money, whatever it might be, because you, they didn't understand the business, the real outcome they were trying to achieve. And so if you can get to that with your team that has these other skills in it, then I think you, you will certainly make a, a huge difference to the organization. There's a certain level of 
leadership, skills, maturity, you're intimating when you talk about those things. I'll go out on a limb and suggest a lot of very good data people don't have those skills. And do you think that's what's maybe stopping the CDO or equivalent getting traction at the exec or board table? We don't see CDOs becoming CEOs or even coups or even sitting on the exec. And is that the gap, do you think? And is that the fault of us data people not thinking it's important? Or has the organization not developed its data leaders like it would its finance leaders or people leaders? I mean, clearly it's a newer discipline. So it'll always take time. I remember 10 years ago that most of the CIOs I'd worked for had never actually done on-the-ground IT roles. They'd been brought in from operations roles, and therefore they never actually understood what made an IT department tick. And so they were finding it really difficult to make their department successful. I think in the data space, it's gone the other way, where most data staff have come up through the ranks of data functions, whether it's analytics or data science or data governance. And I think you're right, the exposure to business strategy just doesn't exist that much. And even three or four years ago, the vast majority of CDOs I would speak to at conferences, and you know I've done hundreds of conferences over the last five or six years, were predominantly focused on either you are the analytics person or you are the governance person. Not you are the leader within the organization, you sit on the senior leadership team, your job is to help influence strategy. So actually that career path and that learning is really difficult because there's no steps to make. You know, you either, you are data governance, you are data analytics, you are this, And then suddenly you have to step up to being this strategic thinker who cares about the entire business. And it's how do we find that middle ground? How do we as data leaders expose our staff to those business problems, not just data problems? And do you think that's a function of non-data management or data management? What I mean by that is, should the data people go and find their own path to success? Or is it beholden on the rest of the organization to understand and value the skills that the data people have and actually grow those skills they can be more helpful to the rest of the business? Which is it or is it both? So so it it is a bit of both. I think if your organization doesn't understand what's possible, they're not going to care. So as a data leader, you need to inspire them. You need to show them what can be achieved if they treat the data functions as a more of a strategic asset for the organization, front office, middle office, back office, whatever office it may be. And I think if you can get to that stage, then your business and your HR teams and your career paths and your center of excellence and whatever it might be, will be cared about more deeply and therefore people will think about leadership skills within your data functions. If at the moment your data office is only doing governance and you know and your analytics team is doing analytics, they will box you. You know, you will be in a hole of not just your own creation, the organization's creation. But you should be able to step away from that by looking up. And I've noticed over the last two years at conferences, more people will talk about the first conversation being about the business problem now. Three or four years ago, you hardly ever saw that. It was about how do you hire data scientists and how do you stand up teams and how do you do this? All really important, but that business change work, that BA level work, business analyst work, that engaging, as I say, with the strategy while it's being written, not after it's written and you're being asked, can you help? IT have moved through that chain over the last 10 years. You know, IT teams will often be at the point of strategies being built now because you have to understand the capabilities available. I think in most organizations, the data team's not there yet and should be. If data teams are following like the IT lead, as it were, do you think that's a good strategy? Because I would argue that I wouldn't say that IT departments themselves are kind of leading business change. <laughs> I've no. been slagging them off the last few podcasts. <laughs> you have indeed. No, and I think, there's, I think there's a big difference between following the path IT have gone, and I would argue that in many organizations, IT has not got to where it needs to be in that path. 
there's a reason why agile is mixed value teams it's got business staff and it's got developers and it's got all the other stuff that you need to run an agile kind of team in the data space you need to have business analysts you need to have business people in your projects you don't just want to have the data scientists saying bluntly occasionally arrogantly this is what you need from us and you don't understand and why do you still work that way it's all a bit rubbish and i've seen data teams do that and i saw it teams do that 20 years ago so it's more about the journey is similar around understanding you are there to work with the business not to dictate to the business from a center of excellence but you're right you know my last two data roles have not worked into it one worked into the innovation division in the fca because its job was to change the fca and at the moment i report into effectively the kind of q level roles so it's not a technology role you know and i would argue it shouldn't be just a technology function so maybe you know the name it is obviously a bit of a misnomer at times if you are talking about a that kind of IT division, then yeah, it's definitely very different. I think that actually gets you to an IT division that's very similar to just a data governance function, where you're you're providing a base service that people know they need, but they don't really love. And I think what you need to do is create that engagement with the business again, where your data team is seen as not just being a data team. It's full of problem solvers and stuff like that, and and people who will listen to the business and understand them. So again, the, the IT analogy is more about the path that I've seen IT follow in the last 20, 25 years as opposed to us necessarily treading exactly the same path. It seems to me that to be a data leader, you need to be a leader, business leader, strategy, conversations. Looking at the teams you've managed and the people that you've met, we talk about data scientists and data engineers being this commodity, paying through the nose to get them in. Can they be asked to become a CDO or head of data? Because where is the pipeline of CDOs coming from? Is there a such a rampant market for technical specialists that perhaps it's old-fashioned to expect them to want to grow up and be CDOs. I mean, I'd be interested in your experience. Have you got a succession plan where there's a hungry data director or head of data science who can't wait to be in your shoes? Or do they think, God, that's a ball ache, politics, bald papers, and so on? I think so. I think you're in a situation where there's always people who enjoy the problem-solving rather than necessarily the technology or the technique to get there. And if you can expose them to those business conversations rather than just giving them a piece of work and going, please come up with a model or whatever it might be, if they can be exposed to the business benefit and the fact they can really see themselves moving the dial in the way the business works, and they can then appreciate maybe more closely the feeling of value the business then has for them as a function, the more senior you get, the more of those things you can do. You know, you do it through your teams, but you can fix more problems, you can deal with more stuff, you can make more of a difference. The same conversation occurs in any technical discipline, whether it's law or accountancy or in IT. If you like the day job, some people have to step away from a bit of the detail to become the management functions around it. And that will happen everywhere. Again, I think because data is a newer discipline, it's not really new, you know, analysts and statisticians have been around for years and centuries. But you know what I mean? In the current guys, it's kind of a newer discipline. I just think we've had less people have the time to make that journey. Mm. And I think as you get to a place where more people are in, you know, in my bracket in their 40s or whatever, and they've been exposed to 20 years of data projects, shall we say, or data modeling, at some point, someone's going to want to do something different with their experience. And so I think we will see people then rise into those functions. What you've then got to do is make sure that you didn't treat your team just as a technical delivery function. Again, kind of learning the listen- lessons of bad IT functions where the CTO can never do strategy because they've only ever been a technologist. Actually, that's not what people want, and that's not what people should want from the data functions. I think too often people have been pigeonholed, 
and therefore they're not encouraged to look up and look out. I think the best kind of data functions in, in the country now will be those that say, actually looking up and look out is exciting, it's interesting. You get to bring all your skills, you get to use them in those meetings where you inspire the CEO and say, actually, I can do this and this and this. You know, when, when, we, were, when we were at the FCA, we, we had kind of one particular project that we worked on, which really inspired the board to, to invest heavily in what we were doing. Um, if you can give a data scientist that exposure and then say to them, actually, you can be doing this a lot of the time if you come up through the management layers, a lot of them will, will accept that, I think. Plus, you also get the added benefit, which is one of the reasons I moved to management, is I don't have to keep my skills up to date in quite the same way. <laughs> quite right. Well, I'm endorsing that. For what you describe, it's a function of, of time and maturity going hand in hand. In that, if we were having this discussion in 10 years' time, what would be the content? It, it's an interesting journey. If you get to a space where the data leaders are able to influence business strategy and therefore maybe lead aspects of business transformation... They then get exposed to the end-to-end view of business change. Once you've been exposed to that, there's no obvious reason why a coup role wouldn't be achievable by the CDO, um, because they've got all the experience you would need. Because you know, if you are a data-led business, then your change should be data-led, which means your current state should be data-led, which means you are data-led, and therefore the CDO should be able to support that. I, I won't quite let people off the hook and say it's only because of time. I think leadership in organisations does not yet appreciate the opportunities available to it and therefore they easily focus on data governance because the regulators or the EU will say you must care about data governance and nobody at the EU is saying you must build great analytics. You know, no one's in that space yet. I think the leadership teams need to use all their resources to the best they can and in many organisations they are not using their data teams to the best they can. They are pigeonholing them in risk compliance, visualisation only they're not asking them to the top table, which allows you to really change the way your business is. It's a bit like automation. Really, if you want to do automation properly, you don't just automate your current processes. You have the automation teams in your design meetings around why are you here as an organization, as a department? What do you really want to achieve? And then you work out how automation can fix your outcome and achieve your outcome, not just how it automates three or four manual steps. That's how you make real change. And too many leaders above the data functions are not having those conversations with their teams yet. What will it take for those conversations to take place? Inspiration, perspiration, all that kind of good stuff. It, it is partly the fact that the data leaders need to drive those conversations. As you see more examples in industry, I think that will be good. It's always an interesting one. When you look at kind of top data leaders and, you know, most of them are either consultants or they've come from like a data governance background and they've, they are the CDO in such and such an organization but bluntly, most of those CDOs are data management people. And if your scope of conversation is purely data management, then you are never going to get out of that box because you have to show them the value that good data quality, you know, you aren't going to automate any process if your data quality is not very good. And so actually the data governance conversation should not be about DQ for DQ's sake. It should be actually we're an enabler for you to automate your business. That's a whole different conversation from I need to care about hitting 90% data quality in this field. So again, it's the tone, it's the change, it's... It's all of our job to kind of change the narrative a little bit about data leaders, I think. But there's, there's two sides to this. Isn't there? I, th I think the first point you made is if we're coming from predominantly a data governance perspective, data quality perspective, and that's all the conversation is, it doesn't move the dial no. emotionally. Secondly, though, the, the people receiving this information, I mean, it's not like this is a secret society where we all do sort of data analytics on QT. It's widely known, we're discussing it now. 
isn't there a onus on those people, the non-data people on the board, to actually get more out of the data function? Yeah, I think that's what I was saying earlier. You know, yeah. the, the board has a responsibility to use its resources effectively. If it doesn't understand what's possible from those resources, then it's not going to do that. So they have to spend time to get to know what's possible. Now, again, that can be done through the data functions. You can do leadership training. You can have many different firms will give you, you know, academy training across different layers of your organization. I think if you can do that, then that works because then that's a little bit of an education before they then are expected to pull. But, but again, it's very difficult for people to know what's possible when they don't know what's possible. You know, if they've never come across it, they've never worked in an organization that's run that way, they've never worked in an eBay or an Amazon, actually most organizations have lots of data. They do MI, but they're not really kind of exploiting their data the best of, of what you'd expect them to do. And I think it just will, that will take time. But again, open the door, shake the hands, meet the board. As a CDO, get out there and talk to people. And don't just talk to them about risk and compliance. Talk to them about what the outcomes you can achieve for the organization are. I think some of the barrier is it's a bit of a black box. It's a dark art. It's too hard. So it's very difficult to get that conversation going when you're kind of hobbled with, with that prejudice. And I think that comes down to the language you use. And I think that's probably the weakest thing in the data conferences at the moment is there's very little focus on that kind of outcome strategy language with the organization. You know, a lot of data strategies do just focus on how do I hire more data scientists, how do I do more analytics, how do I do better data management? Whereas your data strategy should be the language of how do I grow revenue? How do I spot opportunities in the market? How do I do this and do that? So again, it's a, re it's a really difficult thing to do without experience across both sides, and there's not many people who've got that. But we as an industry need to change the language that we are using in those conversations because what's behind the curtain might be blind to the organization. But the way you present that as a leader, the way you talk about it, and it doesn't need to be a CDO, the way you, your management team talk about it should all be about why are you here as a business what are your problems? What are the risks you've got? What are the things preventing you achieving your revenue targets or your outcomes or whatever it might be? Okay, so what information do you need to spot proof, disprove, scale, evidence, whatever your problem might be? At that point, that's a business language conversation. You can talk about, I wish I could see what was happening on the high street in Bradford or whatever. That is not a technical or a data conversation, but your business leaders will go, actually, I need that intelligence. I understand it. Then you can go and have a conversation about, so what data do I need to acquire? How do I govern that data? How do I use it in analytics or visualization? Whatever it might be. Some of that conversation can be behind the curtain, but you've got to expose the language in a way that makes sense because it is unfair on expecting a CEO or a COO to understand all the stuff you know about everything you know about data techniques and tooling and stuff like that. Absolutely. And if I may go slightly more controversial but I think you've, t you've touched on it actually in terms of the language and the way we may focus on governance and data management we've spoken a lot about what makes a good data leader I think you've painted a really nice picture there what traits of bad data leadership have you seen out there you've been on the circuit and probably heard the same people I've heard year after year and had opinions we won't name names because presumably we've nobbled ourselves as an industry because we're finding our way a bit you know it's not been a straight line yeah. Yeah, what have you seen out there that you think we should be avoiding? I think the biggest mistake I see is arrogance. Because it's the cool thing, is that you can't be the person dictating to your business how they should work. You know, we may be the people who have some sight of what the future might look like, 
But that doesn't mean that everything that's gone before is rubbish. It doesn't mean that people don't know anything. It doesn't mean that you should wade in and go, Dunno, I'm here to save you all from yourselves. And I've seen people do that. Mm, yeah. um, and I've seen conferences talk like that, where they talk about, you know, the future is data. And that kind of dismisses the input that's required from the people running the current processes who are making the sales at the front door. All that stuff is required to be successful in a data-enabled business. And so I think the arrogance is, is a big thing. I think also just focusing on the skills. So everybody knows they need to hire and they know that hiring is difficult. And so if data leaders just focus on getting the right people through the door, but then don't think about your path to life for those data science products. You know, how do you actually make them real across the enterprise? How do you sell them across the enterprise? What's your comms approach? How do you empathize with the business so the narrative is not your narrative, but their narrative? There's just a whole bunch of, again, it comes back to having the right skills, but a, you, you know, classic T-shape, isn't it, rather than I-shape, I think, to be the leader in most spaces nowadays. But I, you know, the worst thing I've found is where we've had to call out people for being arrogant about their capabilities and just winding people up on that basis. And I've seen conference speakers jump onto stage and talk about how amazing everything is and not appreciate that actually their new process, their new product, their new thing comes from a mixture of the data teams and the IT teams and the business teams, you know, the kind of front office teams, whatever it might be. And and I think you, we have to break that down. Just because we're the shiny new thing doesn't mean we are the best thing. Here, here. What a fantastic way to almost finish the podcast. Unfortunately for you, we always finish these podcasts with the same question. Can you tell us what's the best advice you never took? Probably the best advice I never took is I was in one role where I leapt too quickly because I was bored and didn't really consider that staying in one place sometimes allows you to go up next. And so I've spent 20 years, give or take, running at the kind of middle manager layer because I moved around lots because I was following the interesting work. And that's been a really good thing. But it has meant that there's probably levels of, there's probably been roles that I've not been able to get because people have seen me as just that kind of constant consultant who runs around at middle management layer. Uh, and I'm fortunate, you know, my, my work in the FCA kind of allowed me to step up into a different type of role. And that's allowed me to expose more people and more things to how I think and how I work, which has been better for me and better, hopefully for them. We'll see. And so I think that that pushing too hard for the next shiny thing, as opposed to taking a slightly more considered view of where you might want to be in five or six years' time. I think I probably made a couple of mistakes there in my mid-twenties when I was like, actually, I'm just a bit bored, I should move on. I don't really regret it, but I can see how that might have changed slightly my career path over the last, not so much the last five years, but certainly you know, during my thirties. Thank you very much, Steve. That's invaluable. Incredibly actually. honest. Thank you. Yes. And uh, unfortunately for us, we do have to end it now. But thank you again, Steve. Cool. Yeah. Thank, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. much. Thank you. Yeah.